0: Hello guys, and welcome to the Larry Bird 33 edition of the Next One Podcast. I'm Ron Colling with Brent Smith, Zach Mahamo, and right off the bat, we had some Brady and potential McDaniels beef. Uh, I don't believe in this beef whatsoever, but there's reports saying that uh, McDaniels and Brady were not on the same page and were uh, conflicting, but we'll get to that right after I ask you guys, how are you guys doing today? For almost forgot
1: doing good doing good it was day 19 of fasting today so only 10 more days to go so you gotta love that the day i don't know of quarantine still but um yep i started a new book um let's see what we got here uh the five dysfunctions of a team uh we're, they, they don't sponsor us so i'm just i'm gonna take this off the camera <laughs> just blow that out ryan uh yeah so start a new book you know what about you smitty
2: uh well we've had some decent weather so spending some time outside hitting uh plastic golf balls in my backyard now the golf courses are open so maybe uh, i'll try to pick up that hobby realize after two weeks i suck at golf and quit but we'll, <laughs> we'll find out i got plenty of time on my hands and it's also today's what may 12th so we're basically already halfway through may so I, it just seems like time is flying by way too fast and we're, we're going to be locked up in our homes for forever Yes, we'll be on AARP plans
0: before this is all over. The retirement.
2: The, the the future of the next one podcast is going to uh, basically be, uh, you know, our focus is going to be imagining what the world would be like if we had sports again, because we're just going to have to start making shit up like Michael Jordan did at this point. <laughs> we're
0: just going to have to make predictions on the NBA finals. That just won't happen. Jason Tatum leads the Celtics to the finals. (laughs) Guarantee. Guaranteed. 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 Yeah, we'll we'll touch on that too because it's crazy how some people are like, like Stephen A. Smith is guaranteeing it, and other people that probably have more sources than Stephen A. are saying like it's less than 50-50 because all the dynamics. But also baseball has a July 4th plan, so you never know. Mm Mm-hmm getting to the McDaniels topic. Uh, Do you guys think that there's any sort of beef with McDaniels and Brady that led to Brady leaving the Patriots?
1: I I think they had arguments, but I mean, I don't think there's an OC and quarterback who don't get an occasional argument. I don't think, I think Brady knew he wanted to leave this year. I knew, I think he knew this last year reports coming out that he's been talking to, to Gronk to get, to come out of retirement. I think this, this has been his plan all along, you know, so I don't think, I don't think it's it's uh it's anything that other quarterbacks have gone through
2: i think it's possible but i don't think it's one of the main reasons why he left uh a lot of the speculation and zach you just said it too is that brady was just done with a, a lot of different things and left i don't think it was brady's choice to leave i think that belichick didn't want him here after this year and and his him and maybe McDaniels too knew that um, they had Stidham and he was going to be the guy and that they were going to be moving forward with him. Um, I think back to after the season uh, ended and they had that time period up until the March, I believe 13th deadline, but I'm blanking now, um, where they had that opportunity to extend Brady and agree on a deal. And were there any concrete numbers that came out after Brady announced that he wasn't returning to New England or when he signed with the Buccaneers, um, any type of offer that the Patriots gave him. Like they – the only thing that I ever saw was um, the offer that they that they gave him last August, which was kind of a bullshit offer in the first place. So I don't even think that they um, – that they wanted him back and he wasn't in their plans after this season. And maybe it is possible that he wanted to – have input in the game plans, but um, their focus was, you know, getting a guy like Nikhil Harry going once he was activated halfway through the season or uh, how they can incorporate Jacoby Myers into their offense. And, and they didn't really take Tom's input because they knew after this year he was going to be gone and he was pissed about that. And even if they did, they did have their issues, him and McDaniels, um, like I said, I don't think that's, that's a big uh, one of the main reasons why he would have left if he did leave on his own terms, um, and he obviously came out and basically said that wasn't true, and people need to uh, be more responsible reporting and Chris Myers, who uh, had the report, came out today and said, "Well, I had a feeling he was going to say something like that, but if you knew my source, um, you would definitely believe it to be true. And I actually believe Chris Myers when he says, says that to an extent that you know maybe there were some issues, but again, it definitely wasn't a main uh, contributor. There were probably a bunch of more important things that went into essentially the breakup with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, I think getting your reports to me, I think that
0: offer the Patriots made in August, I think that was Brady knowing he was leaving. I think that was the point he knew he was leaving because Brady wants multiple years in the contract Patriots went offer offer multiple years. Um, and I think Belichick knew that this was his last year. So I think, like people are debating whether it's Brady or Belichick that left. I think both of them kind of knew that they were separating. And I gotta admit, so last week I watched a lot of uh, Nikhil Harry film. I did the same actually. Fell in love with Nikhil Harry. I was like, thousand <laughs> yards, boom. This week I watched a lot of Jared Stidham stats. Uh, also I did the same. And I was like, Jared even Stidham. his
2: preseason stuff.
0: Yeah, I watched like a 26-minute clip on his uh full pre- all his preseason passes, and and I'm like Jared Stidham, future Hall of Famer. And Bleacher Report, I, I was kind of digging through Bleacher Report five or six years ago, did a like seven-minute little piece on Jared Stidham and his high school team trying to win a state championship. If you haven't seen that, it's kind of interesting. Uh, they lost in like the semifinals or something, but. Just like how everyone's hyping him up, like they hyped him more up as a mobile quarterback, like outrunning everyone. So like, it's, there's so much hype with him coming out of Texas. He was the number one recruit coming out of Texas, like in the whole country. It's like he has the skill t- skill level, and I think everyone's saying how Baylor's program literally went to crap after his sophomore year and then go to Auburn. He had one really good year at Auburn, and then Auburn's team kind of tailing off at the end. Like, I believe in Jared Stidham, and all the Twitter trolls that were uh, trolling our Twitter account saying that Jared Stidham is just a bunch of L's. We'll just Four wait. and
2: 12 at best. The 2020 <laughs> Patriots. Like,
0: if you, Smitty does a great job at uh, tweeting on something. Me and Smitty usually run the Twitter, and Smitty, you tweeted out um uh, like, a respond Jeff to our schedule, and so many people <laughs> are insulting the Gerts to them. It was so funny. <laughs>
2: even Patriots fans too. Like they were, you know, the people who were so mad about Brady leaving and Sidums trash. So that was fun. And, and the best part about it is, I mean, obviously they know it's us who's running the account, but they don't know if it's me talking shit. They don't know if it's you talking shit. So, it, so if it's uh if it's something funny, I'm the one who tweeted it, but if it's not funny, I'm just be like, Oh yeah, it was Ryan. He, he tweeted that. It sucked. I actually you, you wouldn't let me. Most of the unfunny stuff. I try to be funny
0: on Twitter and it never works. I'll get, like, two favorites and just got to stretch on. There's no no more demoralizing thing than, like, on my normal Twitter or the uh, podcast Twitter when you think something's hilarious and no one else thinks it's hilarious. Very demoralizing. Uh, So that was um, basically all the Patriots talk. There's no other news uh, besides I think everyone has been signed from the rookie class except uh, our second-round pick. I still blank on his name. Uh uh Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar, yeah. I think he's the last one to sign. Uh and it's, it's all the news. I any other Patriots news you guys hear before
2: we uh, move on. Uh just one interesting thing to look out for um with Duggar. The Patriots will need to clear 300 k in cap space in order to sign him. Obviously not a lot, but um I don't think they're just going to find 300 K somewhere to uh, to open up in order to sign him. So, um, you know, I wonder some of their options would be uh, via Pat's cap. And if you don't follow Pat's cap on Twitter, this is a free plug because I followed this guy for years and he's on point um, at PatsCap, guy is an expert on the Patriots salary cap um, has all bunch of different, uh, analyses on uh, their options and one thing that he tweeted about some of their options would be to extend Hightower extend Gilmore uh extend or cut Marcus Cannon or sorry extend cut or restructure Cannon or uh restructure slash cuts to new um they could also cut Rex Burkhead uh so I I, obviously it will be one of those options but I'm curious there's a couple different ways they, they could go with it and I actually think one of the more surprising but um Definitely possible scenarios is if they do cut Rex Burkhead and maybe Damien <laughs> Harris is uh is good to go and will actually suit up for a game this year. Cool, that'd be cool. He's a second round pick, right, from Alabama? Uh, third round pick.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing all those options. I think the most likely one would be cutting Rex Burkhead. I think he's yeah. the, he's the one that we can uh, do without because I mean he was injured half the year last year, so and you already have. Two solid running backs and Sony Michelle and James White, and might as well give your third round running back a chance. I, I know you're not big on Sony Michelle Zach, but uh, he just he's just slow. I don't. I, I bet he had an injury last year. He seemed he ran similar to how Todd Gurley ran last year. Like both of them are plus, in very cautious. Plus
1: the fact that we could have got Nick Chubb over him really bothers me.
0: That does bother me too. I mean, everyone thought Sony Michelle was the better coming out of college, so it's weird how kind of worked out. He wasn't. He was supposed to be
1: able to catch the ball. He was supposed to be a a running back that can come out the backfield. And he drops everything. Legit everything.
0: And also, watching the uh, Jarrett Tudem film, he was very good at passing it to running backs out the backfield. And I think that's like a big check for Belichick is, can you pass it to running backs out the backfield?
2: Like Tony Michelle, Maybe he'll actually be a receiving back again, like he was in college. Like either a screen or like a simple like –
0: uh, like a little drag road or something. Like, although Brady loved throwing at running backs, and I think that's partially because Belichick probably is like safe throws over
2: any throw. and well, also game. James White is elite. Yeah, elite. eighty catch running back who was your number two option last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he still have the Super Bowl record for most receptions in the game for a Super Bowl game? Pretty sure was it wasn't like thirteen. I think James it like White. 14. I believe so. Fourteen. I'll fact check it. Let's fact check,
0: um, and also a uh, shout out to um we we're talking about earlier uh, Dave Portnoy for winning the uh, Dave Portnoy, the leader of Patriots Nation, uh, getting a Monday Night Football viewing party with Roger Goodell for a mere quarter of a million dollars.
2: So uh, that will be entertaining to watch. I think James White had 14 receptions in Super Bowl 51, and also. Um, So Goodell obviously announced that he was doing this fundraiser um, on during the draft. I believe it was the third day and Goodell instantly tweeted out like he's, he's going to be doing this. He will pay any price for it. I say Goodell tweeted it. Um, Portnoy, Portnoy tweeted out that he was, he was going to win this. He would put up any amount of money for, and he did. He put, he (laughs) literally put his money where his mouth is, dropped 250 K on it. So um, just another reason to to hope and pray that we have a football season this year, so we can watch him and Goodell watch a Monday night game in the basement.
0: The, the, the mo- like no, it's a Monday night Pat's game. Like yeah, it has to be like no. He- Roger Goodell's gonna be the most awkward human being in front of there, and I think uh, will be very uh. I think he won't be afraid to say what's on his mind, which. That's kind of what he's known for. Is. I wonder what are the
1: odds he gets kicked out of his house.
0: <laughs> like ten minutes in just getting kicked out. <laughs> Nothing Tom Brady um he deleted the tweet, but with all the other Barstool guys they did there, it was the five year anniversary of uh them sitting in NFL headquarters and Tom Brady tweeted saying, Thank you for your service. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah. That's it, it's funny. It's Obviously, he's kidding, and he had to delete it probably because the NFL probably told him to. But they were fighting the good fight on the front lines. Yes, but, but they're they're on the front lines before all this happened. So, yeah, I guess thanks thank those troopers for what they did.
2: Now, uh, Portnoy's Portnoy's one call from prison was to KFC to tell him to. Um, Put free Brady T-shirts up on their website. What <laughs> <laughs> a call! Uh, that's
0: that's so funny. It's that's why you miss sports. Just half of missing sports is just all the crazy sports fans and
2: like just all the memories you make. So we're at the point where today I saw uh, one of the graphics of the. NBA players with the best hairlines in, in the league right now. So we're, we're at that stage of desperation for sports content and we could be here for much, much longer. So we're really screwed if we're at that point. And they had
0: UFC fights on Saturday and after that it was only like a day's worth of content. So they're right back to score
2: one. So.
1: Yeah. But the UFC was a success. So. It was. And I'm they sure had they a, a
2: fighter test the day before and it still worked out. So. Yeah. So, so it gives hope. Um,
1: people thought it was, a couple people thought it was awkward, like having no fans. But
2: I really don't think it's that awkward. Like I don't think it is for the UFC because you may not. I mean, you you don't see the fans. Um, for other sports, it would be. But at this point, who cares? Just give us something. Like people true. are people are staying up all through the night just to watch Japanese and and uh, uh, baseball. Yeah, Korean baseball. <laughs>
1: Well, did you guys hear? I saw something like, whatever, um, a Bleacher Report, or like ESPN, tweeted it out saying like a lot of like the major stars of the NBA, like, were have been like collaborating and talking about how they do want they do want like to finish the season. And it was like it was like LeBron, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, uh Kyrie, Westbrook, Ooh. like a, like a
0: bunch like a bunch of them. <laughs> Kyrie, whatever Kyrie wants, I want the opposite.
1: Well, he wants a one on one with Kemba, so.
2: He wants a one-on-one with Kemba because there's going to be no fans at the game. Get out of here. He's a bitch. I hate. I, I. I strongly, strongly dislike him. Of course, now that is probably not going to be a season. And even if there is next year, they're, they're, Adam Silver even said that the players should not expect fans to be at any games next year if they have a season. So, of course, Kyrie wants this. Screw him. You can get the fuck out of here. Kyrie
0: Irving has not brought up the Celtics since then. And then once all fans cannot be in the stadium, Kyrie's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that smoke. He's the exact opposite of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wants to smoke 24-7. Kyrie Irving is the biggest – I'm going to bleep this out – baby back bitch <laughs> in the league. I'm not going to bleep that so, out. That needs to be heard.
1: Right, right. I knew you were going love it. to love it when I brought that up.
0: Mm-hmm. I, if <laughs> Kyrie wants a season, I don't want a season. Screw Kyrie. What would the score be if it was up to eleven? Kemba versus Kyrie one on one. If there are fans at the like people, if there are Celtics fans watching, Kyrie wouldn't score a point. Kyrie <laughs> would be so rattled. If if it was just them two, it'd be close because I will admit Kyrie is good at basketball. Okay, like, so
2: <laughs> was he saying one on one like an actual one on one game or just a matchup? Like one on one. Okay, like just like just basketball. him and him. I thought it was just a matchup. I
0: thought it meant like in a game matchup. Oh,
1: yeah. I thought I thought somebody asked him like, if you could play anybody one on one, who'd you who'd you play?
0: Maybe. I don't
2: know. Oh, maybe Yeah.
0: I, I remember he he was referencing towards like Kemba scored thirty nine against them, and he scored, Kyrie scored however many, uh, useless points he scored for the Celtics. Kemba
2: Kemba had thirty five and thirty six minutes, and. Uh, he was one assist away from a triple double, and then after the game, Kyrie said that uh, Boston should have double teamed and, and trapped Walker, and he took he took a shot at Brad Stevens for that, saying that basically saying that the coach had the wrong game plan. They should have double teamed him. They should have set up traps for him uh, oh, because Kyrie can't gu- because Kyrie can't guard him one on one.
0: Kemble would crush Kyrie Irving one on one. It just if there's fans there, Kyrie won't score. If there it's just them two, it'd probably be like. Eleven to, eleven to two, Kemba.
2: <laughs> Kemba, Kemba would probably. I mean, uh, Kyrie would probably stop the game halfway through and ask Kemba what his thoughts on government are.
1: Well, I mean, if it's fair, like in two K, when I had to play Kemba, he absolutely smoked me. So I'm sure Kemba one on one is just like that as he is in two K.
2: Yeah,
0: I I put in two K. I played Jason Tan one on one and I didn't score a point. Jason Tan was literally. Michael Jordan, LeBron James combined, like, <laughs> dunking on me every time I couldn't do anything about it. Maybe I just fuck like, at 2K. I don't know, but
2: 2K is trash, anyways.
0: 2K facts. Yeah, you know, one of these one of these days we gotta rank the video games, and 2K is probably down there because 2K is the most infuriating game to play. Madden, Madden is by far the best game. I agree. Madden M- makes you think. It's it's a thinker sport. Unlike Kyrie in basketball, not a favorite sport. Right. But that's enough crap talking Kyrie for one segment. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the um, actual the seasons happening where the owners have agreed in the NBA uh, MLB to uh, start the season July 4th. They're going to start spring training or summer training. I think in June and the NBA extended their uh, CBA uh, renegotiations to 60 days. Like they're supposed to decide whether or not they want to keep the CBA. Like, cause I guess a uh, um, commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver can either terminate the C. I I guess he has the power to terminate the CBA because they're not making any money, but he extended that 60 days. So He extended it 60 days to uh, September. September to uh, try to get the season in because I guess 40% of their revenue comes from fans, and obviously the cap's going to go down next year, so players aren't going to be making as much crazy amount of money because the league says they can't afford paying them that much because it's all based off of uh, the league's income.
1: Mm
0: But Is the MLB like, is it very reassuring for other sports like NHL and NBA that the MLB has a plan? Or is the MLB different because it's a lot less contact than the NBA and NHL?
2: Well, with the MLB, go ahead.
1: I mean, like, it's a lot less
0: contact, but like,
1: at the end of the day, you're still like the the, the odds of the odds you get that you hit the virus are still the same, I would say. I mean, I think it's good in terms of like, well, also, also like, let's just all preface this with like, not that many people go to MLB games.
2: Yeah. So,
1: so like, so fans are, so fans are itching to go to MLB. But even though whichever sport comes back first, that's the one everybody's going to watch.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, people are watching, staying up in the middle of the night watching baseball in Japan and Korea. But the MLB, the, you know, the stance that they're at right now is that the owners had initially agreed uh, on a prorated salary for the players and now they want to do a 50-50 split. And the the players are now saying, well, wait, you we had an agreement in March, now you're going back on this. So that's that's one of the issues that they're gonna to have to figure out first. And I'm sure that unfortunately it may it may be a factor that delays it or I would hope it wanna come to this, but even prevent that from happening. Uh, having a season this year, but I honestly, every scenario proposal that has been thrown out there, whether it's for baseball or the NBA hockey, I feel like we can basically just throw out the NHL season at this point, the AHL already canceled, but um, they're not going to be able to play games in the summer. They won't be able there. The ice won't be good enough. It doesn't matter where they play um, for both the MLB and the NBA. Either proposal, any proposal has either been um, unrealistic or just sucks. And Adam Silver even admitted to the players, like, we're not – we don't have the best options here, but it's really all that we have. And and I just think that there's going to be flaws to anything. And really, until there's either a uh, vaccine or a way to easily test anyone at any given time, it is going to be extremely difficult. You can try to quarantine players in Vegas, in – Um, Arizona, in Disney World. You're telling me that every single player is going to abide by the rules, go to the court, go back to their rooms, not leave, not sneak out. You're telling me that you're going to quarantine all of the workers who obviously won't be making nearly, nearly as much money as the NBA players. You're telling me they're all going to stay quarantined. They're not going to sneak out. They're not going to be exposed. It's just, it's unrealistic. And I, I honestly... It's sports like we want to have an expectation that they're coming back, but I feel like it's you're just getting your hopes up and you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of leagues are looking for that perfect solution, and I think everyone's got to realize that there is no perfect solution. Like uh, UFC, like someone someone got coronavirus at the weigh like right before the weigh right? Like this mm-hmm. not gonna be a perfect solution if people you're. Hire like if the employees are willing to take the risk, which they shouldn't be forced to be willing to take the risk, but if they are willing to take the risk, then you just got to let that happen. Um, like they're saying, like if a team had four people that had coronavirus, you just have to eliminate that team. Like, imagine, like, say the Celtics made it to the Eastern Conference finals, but four people got coronavirus, so they just had to cancel the Celtics' chances and let the Bucks go to the finals. Like, that would like cause outrage in the sports community and like be inherently not fair to the Celtics. Cause or whatever team that was like, everyone's looking for the perfect solution. There is no perfect solution. So it's a matter of if these companies are willing to take their risk that the UFC has like WWE has made some, somehow Vince McMahon has finessed the whole system and made WWE an essential business, which is its own (laughs) other thing. Wrestling is an essential business in uh, Florida, um, but it's everyone's looking for the perfect solution. There is not going to be a perfect solution. People will probably get coronavirus no matter. Like most people, will get coronavirus. Like at the end of the day, like after two or three years, like all of us probably will have had coronavirus at one point. It's just a matter of uh, taking the proper steps as we've heard nonstop is to get tests for people to get tested and make sure that they don't have it before. Cause you have to track the virus as you know, you hear on the news all the time. So it's a matter of how many tests they can get and make sure like they probably will test like on a weekly basis to make sure that if someone has it, it doesn't spread. So it, it's all craziness right now. I want there to be sports, but that's looking on the optimistic side. Um, I think baseball, I think that'll happen as long as the money is right. And NHL, I agree with many unlikely. Especially because the AHL canceled the season. That's their main like minor league program. Yeah, their N- affiliate. NBA, I feel like, just has no idea what's going on. And if the NFL even gets delayed, I'll be very sad, gang.
2: The NFL getting delayed will be my breaking point, honestly. Like if we're quarantined for the entire summer um, and then come September, we don't even have football, that's when I'm going to lose it. And and to the the person who wrote the article about us needing less sports and how we're itching to get sports back, um, one, that guy can go screw. But they, <laughs> sports are very important to everyone. Football is obviously very important to all of us, me especially, and if we don't get that in September, I'm actually going to freak the fuck out. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be done.
0: Just, just cancel. Cancel everything. If there's no football, just make sure no one, like, if there's no football, put everyone on house shutdown. Let's go communist for two weeks. <laughs> Not let anything happen, just so we get football back. I'd be in. <laughs> but also having Donald Trump as the communist leader probably won't sit well with also <laughs> well, um well, we'll see we'll s- let it be a state-run communism let each state do its own communism uh, but that that won't get a lot of a uh, positive feedback I promise that moving on from that point uh, again the one thing we can talk about that's new instead of the same repetition is the Jordan documentary um it was episodes seven and eight eight and episode seven took a look into uh michael jordan's relationship with his dad and kind of more michael jordan's gambling problem a little and uh was episode seven his retirement or episode eight his retirement episode seven episode seven and then episode eight went more into uh i'm pretty sure it went into the 96 season the um The seventy-two and ten Bulls. Yep. Yeah. I just want to get you guys' main takeaway from these two episodes. Um Michael Jordan, number one, Michael Jordan
1: was a psychopath. Um, just making stuff up and talking to himself. I feel like he I feel like he's the guy he's the type of guy to talk to himself a lot and like make up scenarios in his head, which he definitely did. He admitted to it. And like I feel like everybody else around him was just like yeah like he's great but he, but i feel like everybody knew like he's a little bit crazy just like a little bit like kind of off the walls but like that little bit you need but like like that made him great if that makes sense um i also like this is a, a little little side rant i really hate that people that people are like wow like you know michael jordan you know he, the, he told us his secret to success. You know, like everything, everything and especially in uh, episode seven, like he just mapped out, the, you know, the road to success. And like, what bothers me the most about that is because like, like again, I'm going off on a tangent here, but like the road to success is people know what it takes to be successful. They, they're aware of it, but they just don't want to actually do it. You know, like, I, I swear, like, like um, I was I was I was listening to a talk from like a bunch of like these billionaires. You know, they give out these free seminars and they give out like ninety nine percent of their information because they know that ninety nine percent of the population won't do it. You know, so like I at least at least I saw it I saw it on my Twitter line, like uh my Twitter feed, saying like wow like you know Michael Jordan was like he was different and like his mentality is something that nobody's ever had before, and it just it just really bothered me. <laughs> that's my
2: team. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. He's just he's a guy who is willing to do e- anything and everything to win and that came at a price for him. And even when, you know, last week we talked about is we found out that Michael Jordan was a dickhead and this week I feel like we found out that he's even more of a dickhead than we thought last week. Um and and, and his former teammates were even asked about it in the documentary. They asked BJ Armstrong, was he a nice guy? Um and he said no, but he couldn't be. That's that's not that's not the type of guy he could be uh, when he was on the court. And Michael even said it too. You pay a price to uh, to be a winner and be a leader, and he did pay that price. And yeah, obviously there were times where he took it too far, telling players not to pass to other players, taking food away from Horace Grant on flights, <laughs> uh, punching Steve Kerr in the face. Awesome. But if you want to be a winner, if you want to dominate a decade of basketball, you have to, that, that's the price that you pay. And I, I am on Jordan's side on that 100%, especially at the end of uh, episode seven, which was probably the best clip and, and I think the main takeaway that, uh, you know, we're, we're younger, we, we weren't alive during this time. Uh, obviously t- towards the end, but, you know, we didn't watch this. We didn't grow up with Jordan and people, but, you know, we've had more exposure to him, but people who are younger who may not know Jordan and watching this and really getting a sense of him for the first time should, that should be their main takeaway that he would do whatever it, it takes to win. He would take it to that level. It was never unrealistic, um, but he would push his players. And if you didn't want to play that way, then don't, but you're really not going to win shit. And you've seen other players have that mentality. Obviously Kobe, um but brady too and like that you put in that work it's successful but, um what, I'm blanking what, on his what name. about lebron what,
1: what
2: is it yeah eh. yeah what is it he had a team out with d wade and chris bosh to get to
1: his
2: <laughs> oh my god but, up with that fraud kyrie first third <laughs> <laughs> but bill wilmington he said it in the documentary that jordan pushed everyone around him because he wanted to win. He wanted to succeed, and guess what? It worked. It did. They won six championships in eight years, and the two years that they didn't, he was out of the league. And
0: there's some, if you watch uh, Scott Van Pelt's show after the Jordan documentary, it gives you good insight with uh, different people, and some of the really interesting things, like, Michael Jordan has talked basically shit about every single person, even his teammates, like, he roasted Scottie Pippen, roasting Dennis Rodman, roasting B.J. Armstrong. The only two people he has any sort of respect Can't for... Can't forget Bill Cartwright, too. Bill Cartwright, like, just roasting people. The only two people he has any sort of respect for is Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Like, those are the two people where he thinks he they're on his, like, sort of... Not in his level. Like, Mike Jordan thinks he's here and everyone else is here. But he thinks Magic and Bird are... Like, the closest thing to him were, like, work ethic-wise and just, like, determination to win-wise, which I thought was very interesting. Like, only two people he has respect for. And also, I have have the secret how to beat Michael Jordan. I don't know why anyone didn't do this because each team fell into the same trap, was giving Michael Jordan some sort of thing. To like motivate him. Like the Sonics head Bolton coach. Bolton board material. Bolton board material. The Sonics head coach in 96. What's his face? Uh, um, Coach of the Nuggets too. Um, I'm going to look it up because now I'm
2: blanking I mean, on it. Is it, it Kelly? Kelly? No. no. Jo- uh, I was uh, going to say George Carl, but I don't know if that's it. I think it is George uh, Carl. It is, it is I Carl. think it is
0: George Carl. I'm like 99% sure it's George Carl. It is George Carl. Yep. So, George Carl, like, and he does the um, Scott Van Pelt show after. And Mike Jordan's bulletin board material was uh, George Carl just walks right by him, doesn't shake his hand, doesn't acknowledge him at all. And something Mike just like, oh, it's about like that? It's about that? And George, Carle, it's funny watching the interview, George Carl said that the reason he didn't do it was because his assistant coaches and some of the players were saying that Michael Jordan likes getting in your head. So don't talk to him also. He can't get in your head and can't make bulletin material by something you say. But it's the exact opposite. Like since he didn't say anything, that gave him bulletin board material. So interesting to see if if he actually said something, if Michael Jordan would have thought of something else and said. But the, the way you beat Michael Jordan is you get the 12 most polite athletes on your team." the most polite coaching staff and just cater to Michael Jordan, like be competitive, be good, but like be like Andrew Luck, how he gets sacked every play. Just compliment the hell out of him. Kill him with kindness. If you, if you kill Michael Jordan with kindness, you're going to win the game.
2: He He would be confused. He was like that. How do I react to this? How do I react to niceness? I don't, I've never experienced it i have never been nice before. What do I do with this? like you might just and then, and then and then he's exposed
1: he would he would have legit just had a full conversation in his own head of you talking shit to him, even though you've said nothing but nice things,
0: yeah, and I feel like progressing through like we see Michael Jordan more of a psychopath like in practices like he is more and more he and, is. like it's so impossible to be like if someone's that nice as long as they're not annoyingly nice like go out of their way to be nice. Like If you try to do anything and they're just nice back, it's so impossible to be mean to someone that's nice to you. So that'd be my coaching strategy. And You would find find out a way. We'd probably lose by 30 a game (laughs) because when you're nice, you're also uh, stereotypically soft. So Michael Jordan would just roast us probably. I don't know. That's why I'm not an NBA coach. And uh, the fake quote you were talking about, it was from a player on the washington bullets i think it was just lebradford
2: a red, smith
0: lebradford i wrote it down lebradford smith i didn't even see it. i wrote that down but uh <laughs> was it was it even a playoff game i think it was just a regular season game it was a regular, regular season. season game and he was the rookie lebradford smith in their first game against each other he scored uh 37 points Seven. and <laughs> Like, I, I I doubt they even talked. He might have, like, I don't even know. Like, there's no evidence that they talked. And him saying to Michael Jordan after the game, nice game, Mike. And Michael Jordan made that quote up and said, I'm going to drop uh, more points in one half than this dude scored in the game. And I think he scored, like, 36 points in the first half. 36. And like try to attack him. And, like, ruining this kid's life. And they correlated that to – the playoff game against the Hornets with a uh, what's his face on the Bulls, B.J. Uh,
2: Armstrong.
0: B. J. Armstrong, B.J. Armstrong. Armstrong had one good game, and he gave Michael Jordan Bolton board material by hitting like the game clinching shot, and then looking at the Bulls bench and flexing on them. And like I feel like former was... bull too. Former bull won three championships with the Bulls. Like I feel like you have to know what makes Michael Jordan tick at that point, and he just lost sight of it and he unleashed the beast that was MJ. But those are are my points from uh, the documentary is that if you can give Michael Jordan no bulletin board material, but he has proven that if there was no bulletin board material, he can just make it out of thin air. But if somehow you can give him no reason to hate you, you got a chance.
1: I think also from the, from these documentaries, as they go on, uh, we talked about it earlier before the, uh, before we started the show, but Phil Jackson was truly like forget all like his NBA coaching, Like he was he was amazing at just organizing these different kinds of personalities, you know. Especially, you know, you had the three you had the three new players, I think what was it, Um Steve Kerr, what was that center's name, not Cartwright, uh, Wellington,
2: Bill Wellington,
1: Wellington, and there's one more, they were the new players when when Jordan left and okay. then Jordan came back and like they kind of got a little soft because Scottie Pippen was leading them. And apparently you find out Scottie Pippen is like absurdly soft. So, so they had a soft leader. So it became soft. And then Jordan, you know, was like, well, now I got to toughen everybody back up. So, and then friggin', and then Phil Jackson's like, well, now I got to, I got to friggin' stop Jordan from punching all my players in the face. Mind you, Dennis Rodman that probably wants to go on vacation at that time. Like he's trying to manage all these different people. Scottie Pippen tells him that he doesn't want to go into the game for the last two seconds. Like, so, and then just straight up tells him, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: fuck you. So I think the person who comes out of this documentary looking the worst, assuming the final two episodes don't change the perspective completely, but Scottie Pippen comes out of this uh, documentary looking so bad. like I feel like it's been a minor attack on him, like the mind grain game, him not – going on the final shot against the uh, Orlando magic. It was in the East, no the against the Knicks in the Eastern conference semifinals in 94. And Phil Jackson comes out of this documentary looking like the greatest, like I, don't, like, I don't know if it's coach of all time. Cause people are saying like, they didn't like his triangle system, but he comes out as the greatest, like collecting the most dysfunctional group of people. Yes. Somehow just making it work. Like, you have Michael Dennis Spurs. Rodman
2: alone is all you need.
0: And yeah, like Dennis Rodman with the Pistons was just like quiet guy, and then he started going a little crazy with the Spurs, and then he's full on Dennis Rodman with the Bulls, like handling Dennis Rodman and making sure Michael Jordan doesn't assault all the t- players. Like, <laughs> give all the credit to Phil Jackson. Like, he gets a lot of bad uh, shine for him being a GM of the Knicks, which. I don't know if he's a good GM, but he's a great a leader of people, making sure everyone can come together for a common goal. Smitty,
1: Smitty, can you look up the uh, what was Scottie Pippen's stats? the The year that MJ that MJ took off,
2: ninety four. I'll year. check right now. I th- the full
1: because was- like I truly believe that, like he he
0: he he was just destined to be a number two. He was second in MVP voting, I think, in ninety four. Really, I think that's what, like second, like top, definitely top five in MVP voting, and
1: I mean, like, because Ryan, you're spot on with like the first the earlier episodes. You're talking about how he had a weak mindset, and Jordan had to change his mindset, mm-hmm. and then now he's the leader of the team, and like, it's soft leadership, you know. Well, maybe it's not soft leadership. They just kept comparing his leadership to to Jordan, and Jordan was
0: how it was low key a tyrant. Yep, Michael Jordan's a tyrant, and Pip was like the chill the chill guy that, like, just wanted to, like, pass the ball, play good basketball, and have fun, and... You just wanted to run the triangle offense. He he just wanted to do him, and I kind of understand how a lot, like, if you go to a really good team, how even though you won none of the champions with them, you have, like, the Bulls jersey, and you have that or and you're like, oh, I'm a Bull. I'm better than everyone, and, like, Michael Jordan built that up, and he's saying players like Steve Kerr and... Uh, coup coach in uh, Cartwright, or not Cartwright, uh, well, uh, Wilmington. Wilmington uh, kind of like took that mystique and Mike Jordan felt insulted that they could just use them, even though like they never said they had the mystique, but Mike Jordan just assumed that they took them. <laughs> <assumed so. laughs> I could still see Mike Jordan being that guy in the corner, like just like yelling at himself, like in the gym. Yo, how
1: dare they think uh, I built this? Mm-hmm. Now they're trying to come in and steal this? Yep. I built this.
2: <laughs>
0: But, uh, so yeah, he-
2: Jordan got back in shape by beating the shit out of the new players. That's how he did it. <laughs>
0: it's a boxing bag.
2: <laughs> uh, but in nine, 93 94, Pippen averaged 22 per game, 94 95, 21.4. Both were career highs. Before that, he averaged um, his career high was 21 points per game in the 91 92 season, and then 14.4, 16.5, 17.8, 18.6. So, um, so both were career highs, but again, I, I think the biggest knock on him and, and my biggest takeaway from um, on the whole documentary so far in regards to Scottie Pippen was that game you mentioned when uh, Phil Jackson draws up that play that they had for Tony Kukoc. He had at least three game winners in the regular season. Uh, Phil Jackson mentioned that they've ran the play and it worked successfully for Kukoc and. Pippin says he's not going to go out there and inbound it uh they show the clip obviously kukoc hits it and um pippen says in the documentary it's one of those things that you wish played out differently but if i went back i don't know if i'd change anything I so he basically uh, says yeah i probably should say that i wish it didn't happen but if i'd go back i'd still do the same thing excepting a- the fact that he's a beta Uh, probably the best the the world's greatest beta but he can't be your number one guy He, he he proved it 20 30 years later he he basically is still admitting the fact that he's a beta now it doesn't mean he's a bad basketball player terrible leader though i i didn't get a
0: that point where he knows he was wrong but he said he'd do it again why would you do it again like you know, like, it's a low point of your career. Why would you <laughs> repeat that low? Why can't you just admit that I would have done that differently? It's Even not
1: Scottie like, Pippen can't make himself look good.
0: Yeah. Which I th- I think guess he's been a kind of, like, quiet on social media and, like, hasn't been talking about it at all. I think he's kind of realizing that
2: his documentary looks, makes him look terrible. So, uh, I mean, unless his last not speaking back up. He had Bill Cartwright in tears after the game, in tears in the locker room. That's how bad it was. So unless, as you said, there's a miraculous turnaround in these last two seasons, or uh, two episodes next week. But I doubt it at this point. The damage, is it's already been done.
0: Yeah, it's pretty solidified. Like, before this documentary, like, when you think of, like, Batman Robin in the NBA, you think of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, usually the first. And then maybe LeBron Kyrie second, because Kyrie is number two as King uh, Beta. If, uh, no, LeBron,
1: you think of LeBron
0: D. Wade. LeBron D. Wade, but D Wade has D Wade has an alpha mentality. Like I, I think he does.
1: Oh, you talking about Alpha Beta?
0: Yeah, yeah Alpha Beta.
1: Like, oh, okay. yeah, I, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. he
2: was I mean, I would say he was probably the alpha when they won in what was that, oh six with Shaq.
0: Yeah, I mean Shaq was like kind of not to be mean, but Shaq was fat at that point. He was on the back,
2: he was on the back nine. Yeah, he's
0: <laughs> like Dwayne was the number one option on that team. Shaq was a good number two, but he's still the number two. Yeah, um, yeah. And even with uh, Miami Heat's first title, I, like I think, or maybe the first time they made it to the NBA Finals with LeBron D-Wade, like it was D-Wade like, that was carrying him in that one, and then LeBron kind of woke up and won the two championships. But I Scottie Pippen, like this did not help. Like they could have made Scottie Pippen look really good. If he didn't do that, and like sit out that game. They could have made Scottie Pippen look really good where Michael Jordan by himself was like below 500. Scottie Pippen, his one year, led him to the semifinals. Like they could have won that route, but they won on the route of Scottie Pippen giving up. Which I me feel bad for Scottie Pippen, but that's just reality.
2: Well, I wonder what the team's winning percentage was um in that 18-month span, or I think it was 20-month span actually. Uh, Well, it was 21 months since he had played, but um, that year and a half when they didn't have Jordan compared to the 98 season when Pippen had the surgery and was out that first half of the year.
0: Mm -hmm. That'd be be an interesting look. Different
2: teams, but still.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: Also, one quick thing. Um, I loved how the owner of the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, said that when Jordan went to play baseball – they still honored his contract and paid him his salary, um, but they but he still want to rip up Scottie Pippen's contract and pay him more than two million dollars a year. And I maybe I may actually agree with him now after episode eight.
0: Scottie Pippen has no respect. <laughs> no one, no one respects uh, Scottie Pippen. Uh, he gets no respect. He's, he's like a Roddy Dangerfield. You ever heard of Roddy Dangerfield? Yeah. Like, I get no respect. That's literally Scotty Cut gets no respect. Even but he wants the, all but he wants all the respect. He wants all the respect, but doesn't in the key moments where he can earn it, he doesn't do it. But I'm looking forward to the last two episodes. It'll be hopefully we'll be allowed to go outside at that point, but still be no sports. So it'll be uncharted territory with nothing new to look forward to. Sports wise, once those last two episodes are over, so uh,
1: we'll just be outside wandering.
0: Do, do you endlessly. guys, I mean, if we're allowed to walk outside, but uh, do you guys uh, think they're gonna touch on Michael Jordan going to the Wizards, or do you think it's just gonna be straight Bulls?
1: I think they'll touch on it.
2: Yeah, I think at the end, um, they'll do almost like an aftermath and what happened for you know, some of the main players on that team and also with Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause. And one thing that I'm curious to see if, uh, they'll do this is, uh, what if Jordan will have anything like any final thoughts on Jerry Krause, because, um, obviously he fucking hates the guy and it's pretty clear, but, um, the fact that he passed away a few years ago and really doesn't have a chance to defend himself and for, um, 10 hours over the last, five, what will be 10 hours over five weeks span. Um, the whole world was tuning in to watch on Michael Jordan shit on this guy. I'm curious if he actually acknowledges some of the, uh, the things that Jerry Krause did to uh, build that team. Uh, trading up to get uh, Scottie Pippen, making the trade for Dennis Rodman, uh, the Charles Oakley trade, which Pippen was pissed, or not Pippen, Michael Jordan was upset about, but then did acknowledge after that. Uh, probably was the best decision for the team. Things like that, if he actually acknowledges, um, you know, some of those things that Jerry Krause did do to make that contribution, um, even though – but the whole thing was he wanted that credit for it, so maybe not. We'll see.
0: (laughs) I I think Mike Jordan has no remorse, and I think he's happy to have roast uh, him in his grave because that's kind of the psycho Michael Jordan has – we've learned he's become.
2: Yeah, I, I think when Jordan said that when people watch a documentary, they're going to think he's a dick, he wasn't referring to the way he treated players. Uh, he was referring to the 10 hours he spent shitting on Jerry Crowe's uh, in, in a grave and can't defend himself. I, I
0: will agree with that. I think that's probably what he's looking for. And roasting uh, Isaiah Thomas and absolutely laughing at uh, – what's his name? Gary Payton. Gary Payton in- <laughs> the fact that Gary Payne thought that he could slow Michael Jordan down. Michael Jordan's laughing at that fact. Like,
1: I had no Jordan. problem
0: with the glove. Michael Jordan holding <laughs> an iPad breaks the internet every time somehow. Like a whole new thing. His facial
1: expressions. <laughs> I don't
0: know. But I'm excited. I look forward to it. Hopefully there'll be some good sports news coming in the weeks to follow, but that will be determined in the future. Um, and that's the podcast. Do you guys have uh, any last uh, remarks on Anything sports before we sign off.
1: Uh, real quick, we were supposed to mention it earlier, but Ryan forgot. Uh, what do we think about the uh, whole Earl Thomas situation? Oh,
0: we didn't talk about Earl Thomas? No, we did not. Oh, oh man. Uh, Ryan, you're fired. Yeah, this podcast, <laughs> this podcast isn't over because we have to talk about that for five minutes. <laughs> so, you guys are out where basically <laughs> Earl, Thomas, Earl Thomas is married, right? This is his wife, married. right? Yeah, and wife with like two kids, Three two kids. kids. Him and his wife get in the fight. Earl Thomas's brother picks him up to get him out of the house. Good, good brother move, right? Like, Smitty and I don't have a brother, so we don't know what, how brothers are supposed we to. We Don't happen. have that bond. Yeah, so <laughs> Earl Thomas brings him to a I don't know where, where does he bring him to like a hotel or just like yeah, his, yeah like a motel. A motel has the ladies come over for some reason. They're
2: both canoodling together with the girl. Is it one girl multiple? I don't know. I think
1: it's multiple I girls. I think there were
2: multiple girls, and I think there were two beds in the room. Okay. I hope. I don't know, though. I so hope. In the same room, doing sexual... It was acts. an Airbnb rental home. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing
0: is, such a 21st century story, uh, Earl Thomas' wife finds out via Snapchat... Uh, like, where he is. I don't know if it's a Snapchat story or just, like, his location.
2: Yeah, location. It was was his location.
0: location. So, she's like, hell no, I know what's happening right now. Gets a gun. Calls up her girlfriend. Like, we're, like, ride or die, you're coming with me. She takes out the, uh, I'm not a big gun guy. What's it called? The, uh... The clip. Takes out the clip, but doesn't realize there's a bullet in the chamber ready to shoot. And basically
2: has Earl Thomas, like, like she can kill Earl Thomas and she does (laughs) nine millimeter Beretta point like a foot or yeah a foot away from his head the most psychopath part of this besides her
0: is the fact that Earl Thomas after the fact, is like this is just normal life stuff like we all go through it's like no we don't Earl Thomas we don't (laughs) do stuff with our siblings (laughs) at gunpoint at our heads by our wife and just be cool with it so I Thank
1: you. For hey, hey, Ryan, me. Ryan, Ryan. Just pray for him. Okay. Just pray for him, bro.
2: He Stop said, he Stop said, <laughs> he said, quote, instead of talking about us, just keep us in y'all prayers. <laughs> Stuff like this happens. We try to live the best lives lives we possibly can. Sometimes it doesn't go as planned. So yeah, when the world's pretty much ending and there's literally nothing to talk about, this is one of the biggest new, um, sports news stories of the week. Let's just Let's let's say a prayer for Earl Thomas and his family, and we'll just we won't talk about it because you know what it it, it happens. Shit I mean, happens. what else are you supposed to do during quarantine? <sighs> yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas, there's nothing else to do.
1: Also, they were arguing about him having a drinking problem, which I thought was an interesting part of the story.
0: That's an interesting twist to it, because um,
1: um, you know, I'm not saying that it's that you know um, they're correlated, but he could have a drinking problem because. Derrick Henry is currently still in his nightmares because he used him as a human shield. It could, yeah. that could be it. I don't know. He,
2: pure, he turned him into a lead blocker.
0: <laughs> like, the most disrespectful stiff arm of all time. Like that will forever change the life course of Earl Thomas, wherever Earl Thomas goes. Like it's been changed because of Derrick Henry just absolutely annihilating him in the playoffs.
2: And don't forget that he said the difference between the Ravens' game plan and the Patriots' game plan against the Titans would be that the Ravens would actually tackle Derrick Henry.
0: Yep. Never forget that's something we as a society, if all else goes to shit, we can't forget that Earl Thomas said that they can tackle Derrick Henry and Patriots couldn't. And then that happened.
1: Earl Thomas having a tough year, guys. Yeah, a tough year. I mean, I
0: don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel bad, but
1: oh,
2: it happens. Know. Yeah. <laughs> also, also keep in mind that he didn't even tell the Ravens. Instead of telling the Ravens, he, he announced what happened on his Instagram. Didn't, so, didn't he and they pre- were p- they were pissed about that?
0: Didn't he pre- really put, like some stuffs yeah. about to come out about me? So,
2: yeah, like- because he, because so this happened in uh, early April. Uh, I think <laughs> the date said thirteenth, April thirteenth. But uh, TMZ. Found out, and uh, they were releasing a story the day after. Yes, April 13th is when it happened. TMZ found out. I think they got their hands on the police report, um, and they were going to be releasing the story the following day. Earl Thomas found out and was getting ahead of it by, again, instead of telling his employer what was about to happen, he just let the whole world know, and, and the Ravens <laughs> found out that way. Yeah. PR 101
0: you get caught in that situation if you are, don't post about it on social media before anyone else knows. I, th- I think that's one moral of many morals of the story that you should take out of it. The main one is what would the main, like, this doesn't have uh, I, I'm still flabbergasted by the fact that he thought this is like a normal thing. And like, why
1: wouldn't was, you but, just turn off your Snapchat location?
0: Like, is that the moral story? Just go on ghost mode when you're better. Yeah, to- I think
1: the moral of the story is, you know, going everybody should just go on ghost mode.
0: Ghost mode.
2: Well, at least if you're
1: cheating on your significant other.
2: With, with your brother. And have a drinking problem. At
1: least, at, yeah, and have a
2: drinking problem. <laughs> but that part's pretty much irrelevant just by the fact that he was in bed with not only random women, but uh his own brother. Yeah, weird fact.
1: Why couldn't they just get separate Airbnbs?
2: Yeah. Like, they do the rooms. He
0: He has the money for it. The money's not an issue. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta do it in the same room. We're on quarantine, so we gotta like save stash of cash just. (laughs) We're on a budget here. Yeah, so let's do this together to like save a couple hundred bucks. (laughs) Um, yeah, this is. I'm I'm really happy you reminded me that because that was probably the most important story of this podcast. I think to talk about. But it's that high quality f- entertainment. Yeah. That that being said, anything else you guys like to add? Like another great story, Zach? If you have one in mind that I forgot about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that comes to mind. Oh, well, actually, I do think that ESPN was playing um, some Cornhill championship games. Mm-hmm. I saw. Um, that. So look for that uh, on your local ESPN station.
2: Maybe we can start a league for that quarter game that uh, Jordan was playing with the security guards uh, last week's episodes.
0: I'm down for that. I mean, we Let's can do v- it virtually do it, and we just have the trust we'll measure it all the same.
2: I still don't even, like, what was that game? Were they trying to hit, get it, like, towards the wall? Like, closest to the wall? We get close
0: to the wall without hitting it, I think. Okay. And Jordan just – Stunk guy. Or that security guy was just the greatest quarters player of all time. <laughs> it's funny. See, RIP. <laughs> and it was either episode seven or eight after the Bulls won the championship. Episode seven. Seven. The same security guy was walking him out. I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> 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 but we have nothing else to say um, for the next one podcast. I'm Ryan Collin with Brent Smith, Zach Mahamo. This has been the Larry Bird edition of the Next One Podcast. And until the next one, thank you for listening or watching. And Armageddon continue. Scotty Pippin's Beta. On to the next one.